right, welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we got a doozy for you because the utter collapse of the Kings is upon us. We're talking about the losing to some bottom feeders, post-game comments, discussed by captains, what to do with Arthur Kaliev, is PLD trade already down the drain, trade deadline talks, get in the chat, like and subscribe, let's go. All right, guys. Well, you know, uh, I figured we were going to have one of these types of episodes this year. Uh, (laughs) We're all here for this therapy session. So appreciate you guys coming in. Please hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, we got plenty of people in the chat already. 25 strong, 32 strong. We're just jumping up here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys always uh, for us here at Hockey Royalty. Before we get into uh, the good stuff, let's talk about here with my co-host, Joe. Russ, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yesterday was a roller coaster of emotions for myself. Uh, started off really good. Uh, if you guys don't know, I'm a big Charger fan, so the Jim Harbaugh hiring was uh, one of the few wins for a Charger fans when we kind of go through long suffering depression of being a fan of that organization. So, for them to bring in Harbaugh, it was great. Kings start off 3-1, and then we all know how that ended. So, yeah, up and down uh, day for me yesterday. How are you doing, Joe? I'm all right. Um, yesterday, was I was actually looking forward to the game, uh, being out here in Buffalo, or Buffalo area, I should say, western New York. But um, I know they got a really exciting team. It's been a down season for them, disappointing. But I was looking forward to it, and um, – Definitely fell asleep on the couch right before a puck drop and woke up in a daze. I didn't know where I was. So I really didn't get a chance to watch the game until today, which maybe is for the better. Uh, that I didn't stay up and watch till 1.30 in the morning, watch all that nonsense live. So uh, really looking forward to talk about it. Other than that, like things are going pretty well. Hockey season for the, the high school team's going well. We're buzzing, having a good little run here. So, um, you know, at least one hockey team's going well for me. Random. <laughs> Brandon, how you doing? Doing doing well. Um, I've got a little bit of anxiety going on right now. I'm contemplating a move, not to a different state or anything like that, just a different apartment complex. They raised my rent about $125. So hmm. checking out new stuff. There's a brand new apartment complex opening. They have a lot of cool features. The apartment isn't as nice, a little bit smaller, uh, but it's going to be cheaper. Uh, they're offering free, free beer in the common room. I don't know how they're going to possibly do that, but... Oh. I might have to, uh, I might dig myself an early grave if there's free beer within a hundred yards of where I live. So, uh, <laughs> might have to make the better health decision, but other than that going well, um, I have a little bit of anxiety about this weekend. Obviously the Niners didn't play extremely well, but got the dub last week, mm-hmm. uh, right, yeah. you know, playing, playing Detroit, uh, at home, it's not supposed to be raining. So no excuses for Brock Purdy this time. Uh, I think they'll get it out and, and, you know, I think four NFC championships in five years, Hopefully we can get over that mountaintop and, and hoist the Lombardi. Uh, so excited about this weekend for that. Uh, it it kind of sh- it sh- overshadowed the uh, the collapse of the Kings, which we will get into. But before that, we want to appreciate our fans in the chat. 43 strong here. Lee coming in with a, hey, all, stop it here, guys. Comes in. I'm here for my therapy session. RB says, what's up, guys? Al Smith, howdy, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. 
Uh, Richard coming in. Uh, I'm ready for an intense therapy and rehab uh, from this damn team. Still love them in the end, no matter what. Go Kings, go to death. Holden92, how's it going, everybody? Uh, Holden saying the Kings therapy sessions definitely needed. Dan says, hey, to all my fellow and suffering Kings fans, karate in a garage podcast yelling, dudes. Kings rule. Hello from SoCal. We got a lot of people in here. Uh, too much to keep up with. So let's get going into um, going into the talk here. So obviously, Kings collapse at home against two bottom feeders. They beat quick, which is kind of a weird thing in between. Uh, so it was an Oreo of darkness uh, for this team at home this weekend uh, with front and back disappointment playing the Sharks in Buffalo. Um you know, we mentioned on the last podcast that this team really needs to set a precedence at home and, and turn this thing around and, and maybe that break and and some home cooking and, uh, you know, hugging their kids and all that kind of stuff like that would kind of get it going for this team. Uh, and it and, and it wasn't the, and it wasn't that way. I mean, it looks like we were we outplayed the Sharks in the first period. Wasn't enough to win. It wasn't enough to win the game. And then they barely squeak out a win against New York. Uh, hold on to a 2-1 lead when we can barely protect two goal leads. And they just get absolutely massacred after the first period against Buffalo. So much to digest here. So let's, I'm going to throw it open to you, Russ. What has been uh, in the last, I mean, is, is the Buffalo game the straw that broke the camel's back? Cause it sure seems that way for a lot of the players. Uh, for me, it was uh, the Sharks game. Uh, losing to in a shootout to them. It, yeah. It, of course it's disappointing. I thought, I hate saying this, but I thought they played well. I feel like that's been like the the storyline these last few weeks. I thought they played well. They should have got the win. It just didn't happen. And like I held, I hold, held the Twitter spaces after the game. And I told everybody it's like my panic level after the Sharks game was like a 9.2, 9.3. But then after that Buffalo game, I mean, I was, I was off the deep end. Like at – We'll, we'll get into some of the comments after that the players and coaches made, but like I felt the same sentiment that a lot of Kings fans were probably feeling because I mean, it was just the same stuff we had been seeing these last few weeks, get a two goal lead. You play well in the first period or just let alone the start of the game. And for some reason you just make one stupid mistake after the next stupid mistake. And it wasn't even like, you have to give some credit to Buffalo. I thought they played pretty well. I mean, Devin Levi, he looked, I thought quite awful in the first period. Some of the goals he left in could have been softies, but then, I mean, Cam Talbot, he was letting in softies himself to end the game too. But it's hard to just pin all the blame on Talbot when the entire team was just making like awful mistake after awful mistake. So when you see that happening again and again and again, these last few weeks, you just get to like this boiling point if you're a Kings fan and like myself included, because you're standing, you're sitting, I'm sitting up there watching the game. And as soon as the, the first period was over, I had no confidence that they were going to win the game. I had none. And as, as soon as Buffalo scored that second goal, I'm like, here we go again, because this team has really showed us has shown no ability or no capability to pull themselves out or whatever funk they're in of late. And it's just going to keep continuing until we eventually see something, some positives happen on the ice, or we get some more call-outs happening in the, inside the locker room. So, yeah, it's just been uh, a continuation of all the collapses we've seen of late. Joe, I mean, uh, obviously you 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 watch a lot of the the, Buff, the Buffalo Sabres not playing good hockey this year, and we, we talked about that off-camera. It seemed like a team that the Kings could really right the wrong 
and and set themselves up for uh you know ending on a high before going into Colorado tomorrow it's got to be a kick in the nuts for for everybody including fans the way this game ended it's just another cherry on the top of misery right it is um and and buffalo you look at their record or whatever and they're not having a very good season but there's a lot of talent on that team there's a lot of young really good talent on the team so there's a team that if you if you sleep on them or you catch them take them lightly or whatever they can put pucks in the net so that wasn't too surprising i'll say this game the buffalo game in and of itself like wasn't like alarmingly bad on its own i think when you put it at the end of this losing streak and this skid it really just compounds things like i saw a lot again i missed the game live and i watched it back and a lot of the the talk was about how poor the performance was and like again this is not this is not a great game by any means by the kings but it wasn't like the worst performance i've ever seen it's just when it comes after this many losses it just it makes it seem worse than it was um but yeah, you get a. I thought as soon as the Kings got at the start of the game was pretty good. They got up three one. I thought they were playing pretty well. I I thought the power play was buzzing. They were zipping pucks around. I liked PL on the left side, a uh, left circle there. I thought that was a good change. Obviously, he scores the goal. They get up three one. It was like the next shift after they get up three one. Very shortly thereafter, Buffalo gets the puck in their own zone, and there it is, the one three one. The one, and it was just like ever since that moment, it was all Buffalo. Like it, that's I shouldn't say all Buffalo, but Buffalo seemed faster. Buffalo seemed to pick up the pace. Buffalo seemed to have possession more. Buffalo seemed to be far more on the front foot and far more willing to get into the zone. Kings had some pushback, guys. The amount of odd man rushes, break uh, partial breakaways, chances in front of the net, grade A's. Byfield had a couple. Kempe had a couple of, of partial breakaways missed. Jared Anderson Dolan had Anderson Dolan on the play yeah. right in front of the net on, on like their first shift of the game or second shift of the game. The Kings could have had a bundle. So as much as this was, oh my God, this is the worst game I've ever seen. You know, it really just wasn't. I mean, some of these pucks go in and we're we're having a totally different conversation. That's not to say that there weren't mistakes. You know, it was clearly, you know, individual mistakes really when you look at the first three goals, um, you know, the first one I think it was where where Gavrikov goes in, but you want the D-man doing that. A little bit of a turnover in the high slot comes back the other way, and it's a rebound goal. Um, they talked, you know, there's the faceoff play with England and Laferriere. Doesn't get deep, gets picked off. That one's gone. And then Grundstrom just, you know, it, it just doesn't. It's just a. It's just a puck management play. Doesn't get it deep. Comes back the other way. Lewis is a little flat-footed. Really good shot by I think it was Quinn. You know, and and it's like, what are you gonna do? Is it, they made a great play on the goal. I know there's a lot of talk of the Fiala turnover on the fourth goal. I think it was, but there's a lot that happens after that that you can stop. And mm-hmm. I thought Buffalo made a great play. I forget who made the pass to Tuck. That's a great goal. Uh, and the fifth goal. Again, it's a little a little sloppy in the neutral zone, but it's like these are individual things that we've talked about at length. These aren't this is why I go back to like the coach and talk. And I don't think this is like a system thing. These are really individual type errors, but they keep happening. Um, and they happen at and it just seems like when they happen to the Kings, they're ending up in the back of the net. And when the Kings are getting odd man rushes or breaks the other way, 
they're not ending up in the net. And it's a pretty bad combo. Um, and that's, listen, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing right now with the amount of uh, losses that they've had this last month and a half or whatever the hell it's been. It seems like we should be called the LA that keeps happening because <laughs> like that's all that's all we're seeing is is just mistakes back and forth. And uh, I think now would be a good time as any to get into the postgame talk because, I mean, we obviously had the collapse at home. We all know what happened. Let's get the postgame talk. I think obviously Dowdy's uh, was the one that spoke, you know, um, uh, you know, the most the most, you know, as far as just straight to the point. Obviously, they interviewed Kopitar as well. And, and you'll stick taps to him. Obviously, it was a great night for him, celebrating yeah. a lot of his accomplishments. So stick yep. taps to Kopitar. Uh, most games, 400 goals, et cetera. And, you know, you hope to pull out a win on those nights so it doesn't sour those types of moments. Obviously, flying, flying his entire family out here. Dustin Brown was there, all that kind of stuff like that. You want to get a W for those. And it looked like the boys were going to get one. But you look at both Dowdy and Kopitar, obviously uh, upset. Uh, they're, they look tired. Just like, you know, they're tired of losing, tired of answering questions about this kind of stuff. And and to be honest with you, like if you we were in a if we were in a bigger market, like it would be every single game of brutal comments. So like let's get to Kopitar's first, actually. Obviously, after the game, he was talking about and they asked him, you know, is he healthy? What do they need to do? Where the ownership needs to go? And both him and Dowdy said that a lot of players are playing for themselves and not for the team. So let's get into that comment first. Russ, do you see that on the ice? Do you think this is more of an internal locker room thing? Um, we do have a couple players that are struggling, PL Dubois, um, you know, and that have just gotten bigger contracts. Where do you think this angle is coming from for the for the Kings captains? You know, actually, the Dowdy comment actually kind of caught me off guard, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I never really watched – I wasn't really watching the game and then thought that any – individual player kind of stood out as far as oh that's who Dowdy is talking about like it, it never really really came to me and then I, I kind of think over the game and you can you could probably think maybe point to Fiala or Kempe but even then you'd kind of be just be speculating and even a lot of people are kind of pointing to PL Dubois and I thought Dubois was probably the best player for the Kings in the first period after that and then after that everybody just was shitty so it's not like it was really his fault and I mean, so that comment kind of caught me off guard, but I think it's more or less just kind of encompassing everything that's been going on lately. Is So all these frustrations have just kind of mounted. And for a team that's trying to fix a lot of these mistakes that we kind of saw last game, that pretty much summarized this entire uh, stretch. I'm sure Dowdy's been thinking about this for a while now. And this is a really – I think this is one of the few times we've actually heard from Dowdy during this stretch or probably the first time we've heard from him. So it's weird because I, I don't know if it's usually PR that picks the player or if it's even the player that's just like, hey, let me get out there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dowdy was like, hey, I want to be the guy who talks after this game and I'm going to say what's on my mind because I mean, he seems like the type of player that would do so. So for him to make those comments, I think it's just more or less kind of covers this entire stretch of what's been going on, not necessarily that one game, but uh, that probably ignited the fuse a little bit and, and got him going. You look at the when the the whoever asked him that question, and then obviously when a, a when a reporter asked that, and he do you get that sort of answer? You want to ask a follow up, and you Dowdy was like a half second from throwing somebody under the bus, and then he was like, "No, I better not do that." And then you know, so like you could tell that it's been bothering him for a while, and this is like the, his time 
openly verbalizing it to to media and he said these people have been talked to so like i don't know yeah what's going on i mean and it's you know being harmonized in a locker room is is easy when you're throwing up dubs and you're scoring four to six goals a game uh and now the 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 stuff that might have been bothering you even when you were winning gets thrust to the forefront joe obviously you're a head coach of a team those little nicky knack things with high schoolers <laughs> can probably be kind of <laughs> annoying, let alone people making millions of dollars and, and doing this for a living where, where their families are on the line with this type of thing. How, how does the locker room sway from a, a winning streak to a losing streak? Where do captains and assistant captains play in that, the, the mood or the vibe of a locker room? First of all, assistant coach. First of all, yeah. I will not take credit. I'm not. Second of all, assistant to the coach or assistant? It's it's a great it's a great assistant question. Assistant to the traveling secretary. <laughs> it's a great question, and we we always pull the captains in at the start of the season and and tell them you're the extension of the coaching staff. You know, we don't expect them to come in and and you know rat on anybody, but every so often throughout the year, we're going to kind of do a vibe check on the room, how things are going, things like that, and I suspect that that's always been going on throughout most seasons, whether it's professional, college, high school, amateur, whatever it is. Um, so you're always kind of checking and, you know, you want to check when things are going well, but you also want to check after a bad loss or a couple losses in a row. You want to find out how's how are things going. So that's always important. Um, you know, I guess going to the a, a quick comment on Dowdy's comments. I, I like Russ. I was I don't know about surprise, but like I, it's not something that I see watching. Then again, probably wouldn't see watching. I think that is something that you pick up on being on the bench in the room. And I think I almost wonder if it's less about, um, I don't know. And this is, so first of all, I'm not going to speculate on who he's talking about because that's not fair to Dowdy. Uh, and it's not fair to connect him with anybody. And it's not fair to any player that I could potentially name. So I'm not even going to go there. But I do, what I would speculate is if it is truly all like on ice stuff he's referring to, or if, you know, sometimes you hear guys in the room and maybe they're focused on the wrong things, focused on their own individual points, as Dowdy kind of alluded to, focused on their own individual statistics rather than, the, the the whole of the team being in this rut again that's a guess um but that's something that that is impossible uh to to really identify unless you're there which is why i don't feel comfortable even speculating about it but you know kind of going back to the locker room stuff too and the vibes and all that stuff I, I really, really push back on a lot of the stuff that was talked about. So Russ did the Twitter spaces after the game, and there was a lot of commentary. Uh, some of it was great. It was, a lot of it was great. Don't get me wrong. I just dis, I, I just disagree with the idea that there's um, you know problems in the room or it's a bad locker room because they lost guys that they traded away or they lost guys or whatever. It's like – you know what cures locker rooms? Winning cures locker rooms. And the locker room was perfectly fine when everybody was happy with Gavrikov dancing and everybody was posting videos. There was no problems in the locker room then. Now we're going to say there's a locker room because things are going wrong. Yeah, I don't buy that. Not, not in the slightest do I buy that. I think that these are professionals. They've all been there before. They've all done this before. So I not gonna, I'm not going to down. I would push back and say that there is problems in the locker room. I would say, agree with you saying that it's not a bad locker room. 
I think there's a lot of good guys and solid guys in the room, but right now there seems to be a little bit of friction. And some of that, some of those things are are <clears throat> necessary for winning teams. I've seen Tom Brady get in the face of Julian sure. Edelman or Gronk. I've seen Pat Mahomes get in the face of Kelsey. I've seen Andy Reid tell Kelsey, "You need to, you need, like, you need to play like an All Pro." Like these guys know what is at stake, and they all want to win. So like that doesn't make it a bad locker room, and I would agree with you, Joe. That like, I yeah. don't think they have a, a cancer or right. something like That's, that. I think, yeah, I think that I think that there is some tough love that needs to be going on. It's not landing the way it's supposed to be landing, and then there's frustration. Yeah. So to to be clear, what I mean by that is like there's a bad culture or whatever. The culture's gone, or they traded away these great locker room guys, and now the locker room sucks. It's like, well, it didn't the first thirty games. So I think that's kind of cherry picking on a on a tough stretch. So I just don't buy that. Uh, but you're right, Randon. Like I don't think guys calling guys out or guys being in each other's faces, or even if there's a fight in practice. I got no problem with any of that. That's all a course of a long, drawn-out season. You're going through a rough stretch. It's high emotion, holding people accountable. That is, in fact, a good locker room, right? That's you kind of want that. So there's, I don't, I'm not. You're right. I think you understood what I meant there. It's, I don't buy the culture stuff. I don't buy the fact that they lost guys um, that were that were you know were great locker room guys last year. They're not here anymore because it's just it's just it's too easy to say and none of us are there i mean i know russ you're in there but i think it's it, but russ you've mentioned too like in practice you've sensed that things generally seem to be okay there's nothing notable noteworthy there like i don't buy the stuff you know i think that that um if you win the culture is good and that's why we saw the videos of everybody dancing before and when you lose it's just late uh, lazy is sounds mean but what i'm saying is just it's just everybody points to it because there's no there's no smoking gun. There's no answer. Somebody says, Oh, the locker room sucks. It's bad culture. We played we traded away all these nice guys. I just I I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I think the issue is that you have yeah, the win everything was great when they were winning and whatnot, but I feel like I don't want to speak for Dowdy, but I'm sure the comments come from when you're going through this rut and players need to adjust and have to change their game a little bit and maybe do some things differently than they normally would. And those players aren't doing that to help the team win, then I'm sure that's where the comments are coming from. Because when maybe you have to go away from your off purely offensive game and to help play a little bit more on defense, because it seems like defense has been the 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 key word from Rob Blake and Todd McClellan. Like this team has gone from hey, we're gonna be scoring at will to now we're just gonna be winning games playing solid defense. And we just really haven't seen that of late. So I don't know if that's maybe the main crutch of of Dowdy's comments but I mean I wouldn't be surprised if if Dowdy has been on these guys multiple times because he's he said it himself he said I constantly as like for how vocal a leader as Dowdy is when he's just constantly uh talking when he's just always he's always he's always a loud guy whether it's on the ice probably in the room he said it himself he can, his voice can only go so far when he's he's always being the vocal leader he is so he's probably waiting for someone else to help him out. And I think Kopitar's comments, I saw the Bannerman in here. I appreciate you guys are in here. Love uh, If you guys don't uh, follow, uh, listen to the Bannerman podcast, they do great stuff too. So they said it, they said it too. It's like Kopitar's comments probably caught them up hard just as much as everybody. And I agree with that. I mean, you have a, a, a leader in Dowdy who we all know is going to be the, the voice in the room. And then Kopitar, who's not necessarily the loudest guy, but when he makes a statement like that to kind of, 
double off of what Dowdy said, then it's like, okay, now we're all got our ears open. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Because Dowdy's going to sense his frustration. He's always going to do that, no matter what. He's going to say what's on his mind. But when you get Kopitar saying something like that, then everyone's like, okay, what's going on here? And I think that's where everybody's kind of going from after that. Yeah, I, 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 the, it, it, the echo is the what it gets it done for me as well. Yeah, um, and yeah, shout out to Bannerman for for pointing that out because uh, Dottie's Dottie's gonna go what's on his mind, right? It's just like on this podcast, you know, I get going on rants or whatever, and then you guys are like, "Well, Randon, you know, like." But when we're all in agreement that things suck, it's it's usually something that needs to be pointed out. And I I just I know being a captain in in on some teams before, like the the, the tough love stuff isn't always easy. And those people don't always receive it well, you yeah. know. And and again, not to speculate who it is, but what if it's a guy that is having a career year or having a lot of points, or it's a point per game player? He's like, dude, I'm. What if it's Fiala? It's like, oh, I'm a point per game player. Yeah, but you're not playing defense. You're not doing what it's necessary. You're, you know, doing all this stuff for this, or what if it's different, like all that kind of stuff like that. And, and it's just the Spider-Man meme of everybody pointing their fingers at each other. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like that's not was what's going to get a team rolling. That's not what's going to get a team. And this, that's why, I mean, we'll talk about it later, how this team gets out of this and, and what we could possibly do. But, you know, to foreshadow that for me, it's like, I'm, it's time to fully jumble up these lines. Let's make everybody uncomfortable. Let's make everybody start over. Let's make let's like Kopitar on the third line. Let's put P- PL, even though he doesn't deserve it, on the first line. Let's do some. Let's mix some stuff around because when they were when they were buzzing, every the top three lines were playing seventeen to eighteen minutes each. Kopitar I mean, wasn't all four all four lines all four yeah, lines were coming. Kopitar wasn't playing twenty five minutes a night, and like they got rid they got rid of that because they were going to that because every line was buzzing. But they got away from that because I think now they're compensating for a line not showing up one night or another line not showing up another night. And then you're po- posting fingers and then you're playing for yourself or you're believing that, hey, like we're the only line playing well tonight. I got to carry everybody or, hey, I'm in the doghouse if it's PL or this or that. Like, uh, And you got a lot of people being rotated in and out of the lineup. I mean, I'm sure Clark and Spence being rotated in and out every night, they sense that, hey, I got to play my best hockey every time I'm getting this opportunity. So I don't know what it is. I mean, it, it's tough and to speculate. All I know is it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And, I, and I'd be surprised if it's, he makes the playoffs and they continue playing like this. Oh, they have to turn it around. I mean, I have to say, <clears> I'll, <throat> I'll just kind of give you guys a little, little, little insight. I mean, so I sit it's in the press box and I, I take the elevator down to the event level after the game is over. And I hop in the elevator, elevator doors open, hop in the elevator, go straight to the back and just sit there looking at my phone, checking all the Twitter messages I was getting. And walking in is Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille, Glenn Murray, Nelson Emerson, and Rob Blake standing right next to me. And I'm telling you guys, that was literally the most tense elevator ride I've ever been in. It was just quiet. Nobody's saying a word. Usually after wins, there's like chumming it up a bit. I've, I've done it a couple of times riding with them. And there's the same thing. Like you can just sense the entire mood around everything in that arena was just tense. Like everybody understands what's going on. You walk in the locker room and you just see that. You As soon as I saw Drew Dowdy sitting there waiting for media to, to talk to him, he's just arms crossed, just leg bouncing. You can just sense this. This guy is just about to blow up. So to hear Dowdy say those have those comments it, it, was, it was no surprise to me 
as far as him actually voicing his frustration. I mean, the comments themselves were a little surprising, but to hear Dowdy and, and everything that's gone on, I think that's something that the fans needed to hear. I think it's something that the media needed to hear. And I think it's something the team, his teammates needed to hear too, because from what we've seen these last few weeks, I mean, we ha- I haven't seen a change. And I'm sure fans haven't seen any change in terms of their game or their overall play on the ice to give them any indication that they're going to pull themselves out of it. So I think this was just something that needed to happen. I think Dowdy pl- said it best, and it was a leadership move. And I, I love every part of it. I, I love when people get called out because I feel like that's what leaders are supposed to do. So I thought it was the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. you should have been. You should have been in that tense elevator, pulled the little Dumb and Dumber, and be like, "Well, big gulps, huh?" <laughs> I was <laughs> like, hoping, "Like, just don't fart. Just don't fart. Don't fart." <laughs> well, big gulps, huh? Catch you later. All right. Uh, then, well, look, before we get into T Max interview uh because they're they had a little yin and yang component to it right the both the players owned up that the coaching staff has got them prepared they get them prepared for every single game it's not a coaching issue the players are on the ice the players make the plays and ultimately it comes the buck stops with us so let's get into that first before we go into t-mac where he saw the exact opposite and he owned up to the losing streak on his own so joe obviously you want to see that from your captains the the we statements the us statements, we need to get together. I need to play better. Yep. Uh, how, how do, how does that, how do you pull yourself up from the bootstraps if you're in the locker room, if you're those types of captains? So I think if, if you're a player, <clears throat> so setting aside McClellan for a moment, I think if you're a player, you have to have, and I, I don't know, perhaps they've had some of these, a, a players only type of thing meeting where they got to kind of air it out. It's one of those things where I think you air it out. You have locked the doors, you have the players and you just everything gets done because I think Dowdy was right in what he said. There's no need to air individual names out publicly. Then you got a bigger problem. I think I don't think you need to do that. I think he's right in what he did. I think it's he's one of the captains and he should should do that. But as far as actually pointing fingers, that stuff can and should happen in the locker room and let's everybody own up to it. Let's everybody hold each other accountable. Let's air this stuff out. That's how I would kind of approach trying to get out of this if, if I were if I were captain of the team. Now, maybe that's already been done and we just don't know about it. I don't know. But if you're asking me, Randon, that's that's one of the first steps I would do is let's have a players only. There's no video, no nothing. Just let's just air this stuff out. What's going wrong? And 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 talk it out. And that might lead to some arguments. That might lead to some, but you know, you need that, I think, a lot of times in the course of a season, especially when you're going through a stretch like this. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and I think it helps when the players are holding each other accountable. So I, I'm going off the assumption that hasn't happened. Obviously, I have no idea, but that's that's where I would start. McClellan did mention that he's he said that there's been I don't know if he mentioned player-only meetings, but there's been one-on-one meetings. There's been meetings with uh, in it sounded lines. like with the staff. The there's staff group meetings. Yeah. yeah so I don't know if he mentioned the player-only meetings, but yeah, like I, I totally agree. I mean, these are professionals, and you're getting paid to play uh, the highest level of hockey. And there's only so much video watching you can do. There's only so much instruction and drills and and practice. This team knows what it takes to win hockey games. They've already showed it just this season. And, and most of these guys have been a part of playoff teams in the past too. So it's, it's got to get to a point where they, they just need, it's like, they just need to hash it out. Open, open uh, form. Everybody talk amongst the players, the team, lock the coaches out of the room. I mentioned this last night. Like let's have another Daryl Sutter, 
garbage blocking the garbage can blocking the door incident where you just guys have to get together and really try to focus and get together back as a team. Because right now, I don't see a team on the ice. I don't see any cohesiveness. I don't see any togetherness. Like none of that. It's it's all individual mistakes that keep piling on, and the team just is is floundering, continues to flounder. So with with that statement, it's a statement that was similar to McClellan. And now let's go into the McClellan post game talk. McClellan said that you know there was instance in the game where players are making we're playing stupid hockey. Yeah, we're we're making not mistakes physically. We're making mistakes mentally. He said we're calling. He pointed out a specific play on the faceoff. Why are they calling that play when it should have been the exact opposite play that they were being called? You know, like uh, the center that took the draw should have known that. And like, why are we making passes here or playing this type of hockey here when it's going to lead to this there? And this playing stupid hockey. So, Joe, are they are they playing? Obviously, mental mistakes are worse than physical mistakes because you know missing a shot here or you know not controlling a puck there. That's part of playing a, a physical game at a high pace. But the mental mistakes are the ones that seem to be unforgivable for most coaches. So the face-off one is interesting. The Kings run that play or kind of a variation of it often where the winger kind of swings out up high. It I goes hate that play, by the way. I fucking well, hate it. Yeah, I mean, and Kempe scored on it. Um, if you watch the Kempe goal, um, and it's kind of funny because McClellan had said on the Lafferry airplay that it needs to be a lefty that comes up there and that is certainly ideal. Like that spot for Laferriere would have been a lefty, but when you look at the Kempe goal, he, it actually should have been a righty in his instance. And it took a fantastic play by Drew Doughty, by the way, at the blue line in yeah. that goal. But so they run the variation of that play where the winger comes up high. And if there's a little play to pop him out into the high slot and he, he can get a shot attempt from, from up high. So that's not, I wasn't, when I watched, I was watching it happen and I'm like, you know, that's a tough play where you – the play is to move it to Laferriere. So before the before the puck drops, England knows that's where I'm going. Now, obviously, you hope that if it's off, like if there's a if there's pressure on Laferriere, you don't make the play and you just – you either carry it down. I'd like to see England just keep going, carry it down low, carry the puck down low, maybe make a play to the slot. Um, he didn't, he made the play. Laferia is in a little bit of a tough spot. Like it's easy to get on him. I don't know how much I can get on Laferia. He was just, they jumped him. There wasn't a mm -hmm. much of a play there. Um, but it is a play that they run pretty often. So I, I mean, I, 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 like they did it with Kempe earlier in the game on a similar play offside. It was an off wing play. So I don't know. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to kill him on, the play itself. Now you heard McClellan, by the way, allude to the personnel that we're on the ice. He said, we've got a big physical defenseman who's working hard and playing his best. Like he kind of said, why are we doing that play with Andreas Englund? So I think it had, <laughs> I, I mean, he, that's how I interpret it. Like he, it, it was, he, he, he said that, you know, it's gotta be a lefty, not a righty in Laferriere, but it was a, it was Kempe earlier and it could have been a righty, but when you have Drew Doughty up there, it's a little easy to make that play. So, you know, God forbid they have offer a little bit more skill on the blue line so they can make a play. But I digress. The other play with Grundstrom, man, we talk about that at the high school level, about how when it's time, you're at the end of a shift, right, or whatever it is, and it's time to get the puck deep, make a line change, and he doesn't get it deep. This is something that we – and I'm so – you know, it's funny when this stuff happens at the pro level. It's like, okay, good. So now I can understand why it happens at our level too where you think a dump-in is one of the easiest things you can do, right? Just dump the puck into the zone, get off the ice. 
it's a it's a mental thing it's a fatigue thing he's at the end of a shift and he just kind of fans on it doesn't get deep he goes for the change back comes buffalo on the rush that i don't think that's a stupid play i now i don't know i know mcclellan used stupidity and i don't know that he's necessarily referring to that specific goal um i don't think that's a stupid play i think that's a um a careless play i think we've talked about that a lot this season where certain plays and situations are careless that was one like and you saw mcclellan uh, i don't remember which broadcast i was watching i think will's buffalo broadcast i was watching they they showed mcclellan on the replay well after the goal he's got his arm around him he's kind of pointing like this that's him explaining the situation it's like you got to know the situation so you know i i don't know if stupid is the right word but he's the one he used and i'm not going to say it's unfair but boy oh boy they continue to have these little individual lapses like that's why i go back to some of the comments it's like i mean grunstrom's not worried about his points so that's not a stupid play where grunstrom's not playing the system because he's worried about his points that led to, directly to a goal sure, sure as hell andreas anglin and laferriere aren't really like they're just trying to make a play that's off a of face off that led to a goal but i'm not sure that has anything to do with what the comments were post game from the players you know I, I guess you can kind of look to the fourth goal and i don't know maybe the fifth goal I, I don't know so that's why it's hard for me to speculate on what exactly they're talking about there and why i kind of think maybe it's as much off ice stuff as on ice so um mm -hmm. i don't know I, I i think stupid i don't know if it's stupid okay uh it's careless um but i guess if it's careless for three weeks then Maybe it it is stupid after that long. <laughs> no, I I'm actually I, I loved everything that McClellan said after the game. That line that he had, the stupidity that wins that loss is beyond explainable. Perfect, perfect. I, I for me personally, I thought a couple of the goals that that uh, play to call Laferriere. As soon as I saw Laferriere get that puck there, I'm like, he's he's hosed. There's nothing he's going to do there. Yeah. He's on his backhand at the blue line as a forward, as a rookie, as a forward. And you have, like you mentioned, you have Andreas Anglin, the slowest defenseman on the team, who's now have to back check on this odd man rush going the other way. What are you going to do there? And then Brant Clark's on their side. So it's like, okay, well, what do you, what's going on right there? And that third goal, I'm watching that play live. As soon as I saw the forwards go off for a line change, I'm like, this is going in the net. This It was probably one of the stupidest line changes I've ever seen because – you have the fourth line, two of the fourth line forwards. I don't know who they were. It might have been Lewis and Grunstrom who just yep. went off for a change. And Lewis the puck is or, the puck's already going the other way. It's yeah. it's it, you have to have that vision on the ice to see, like, oh crap, we didn't get the puck deep. Let mm -hmm. me stay out for another 30 seconds to try to make a play here and not give up an odd man rush the other way. And of course, it leads to a goal. And mm -hmm. so, like, I don't blame McClellan for using the word stupid. I thought it was sure. perfect because a lot of those plays, I'm watching them like, that's a stupid, stupid play. And I, I thought the wording and, and the, the sentence he used was perfect. It's fair. Sure. McClellan also mentioned he he's taken responsibility for it. And he said that hey, it's my job to get everybody ready and, and play good hockey and and push and the push the buttons and, and prod and everything like that. And he's also mentioned we've done almost everything that I could possibly do to poke and prod and change. I don't believe that's the case. I believe they could probably do a lot more with the line changes and, and mix some things up um, there. So do you believe, do you like some of the poking and prodding they've done? Do you think that he stuck with it long enough? Because, I mean, that PL Kempe line was only a line for, what, six periods? So, you know, are 
Or do you think like he gets frustrated with how the team plays and then goes back into his shell about how what the lines that he's comfortable with? Like he's comfortable with Kopitar, Kempe, and Byfield. He's comfortable <clears throat> with Bano and Moore. And so like because things aren't going well, he he reverts back to what he knows. My sense is is that like maybe he didn't give that. That was a few a week or so ago or two weeks ago when he tried that with with PL with Kempe. Um, but the, I think it, it started to get a little desperate with PL moving to the wing. I thought that was a terrible decision. I think yeah, it, yeah. he he was lost up there, and I PL hasn't been as bad as is being made out to be. That's not to say he's been good. Um, Russ, you had a caller I, on the Twitter spaces early on. I I, I want to say his name was Nick, but now I forgive forgive me. I don't remember. I'd have to go back. But he talked about how PL enters the zone with possession. Yeah. Through the, Nick. Yeah. Through, okay, through the center of the ice, and he's freaking spot on. Look at watch last game. Like almost every shift that he gets the puck, he is instrumental on the way into the zone. He set up Jared Anderson Dolan. Now credit the Buffalo defender. He may have just gotten a stick on at the right cent, uh, right time, but Anderson Dolan he had two slot passes within his first two shifts. Okay, so passes to the slot that led to a shot attempt. Anderson Dolan's could have been an empty net goal. And then there was another one, I I think, to Laferriere on the same shift. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not – I and it always comes across like I'm defending the guy, which I guess I am, but it's only to say he's not been nearly as bad as what people are making it out to be. I think you look at how many – But every time you point those out, I can point out a time where, look, he's just standing there watching the puck. Correct. So I, all I'm trying to do is say that he hasn't been as bad as has been has been made out to be. So what I'm getting at here is he needs to play center. He's got to play, and I think he's been really good with Laferriere. I think he, that duo has been very, very good together. I actually like Jared Anderson Dolan. Now, <laughs> of course, he misses the empty net opportunity that uh, uh, PLD sets up for him. So it's about finding, I think, that third winger for them. And, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Quentin Byfield down with, with, I mean, I know I've talked about Trevor Moore a lot, but I don't know that they're going to mix up that line at all. Although they did not have their best game yesterday. That's for sure. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Byfield with Dubois and Laferriere, but Byfield's got to play center. There's no need to move him. Um, you mean Dubois? Dubois, Dubois I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Dubois has got to be a center. There's no need to move him and mess around like that anymore. But I think what we're not really, I don't know that we've talked about enough, which is a surprise for this podcast. Blake Lazat is a huge loss. Like Blake Lazat, they don't have a fourth line center, guys. Sorry, Trevor Lewis, love you. Not a fourth, not not a center at the NHL level. He's not a not an NHL regular. But I can also say your fourth line shouldn't be the reason why we've won two games in fifteen. Like no, no, it's not. But what I'm saying is, is, is we talked so much early at the start of the season about the depth, right? So if one line wasn't doing it, or two lines weren't doing it, two other lines weren't doing it, now you automatically have one line not doing it, the fourth line, because they have no fourth line center. So now you're down to three lines to start with, and if one of those doesn't have it, now you're getting real short, real quick. So you're right, Randon. That's not to say that. Because of that, that's why they're on this massive losing streak. Totally agree. But when you're looking at the margins and you're looking at the depth that this team had down the middle, that is gone. So, I mean, I I don't mean to – I don't want to put so much on it. It's just you you lose an entire line basically when you don't have Lazat there because they just haven't put anybody that can play 4C in that spot. 
So, Chicken's two coming in here. If you can't absorb a loss of Blake Lazat, you're in big trouble. Again, I'm just alluding to the depth. Okay, I mean and that is a big loss in terms of the depth scoring that that is just non-existent. Because what was one of the biggest things at the start of the season that we were talking about the depth scoring, and a lot of that has to do with with the fourth line, and a lot of that has to do with Blake Lazat. How many times did we talk about he's one of the better fourth line centers in the game? It's because he is, and that's so that just adds to everything else that that is is seems to be going on so, yeah, uh, so let me ask let me ask you a question that, uh, to peg, peg you back on that is it more about yeah. the loss of blake lazat or is it more about his replacement in trevor lewis they're not having an adequate replacement to play for c that's probably yeah, a mixture of both yeah it's probably a mixture of both i mean because the the only f- I mean, on the existing roster, the only guy that I would put there is Anderson Dolan, who I think would do a better job than Lewis. But um, now you got to mix around with, you know, right now Kaliev's out of the lineup. Obviously, um, that's not a player that McClellan seems to be itching to play, though he says he's going to get back in here. So if he's not comfortable with he also doesn't seem to be – he's either not comfortable with Anderson Dolan at center, which is fine, or he just is – trusting of Lewis at center, which is not fine. Um, the only other option would be to dip into the minors and you bring up an Alex Turcotte. Now, that's way easy to say from here. Do I think it's worth the shot? Yes. Um, do I think that would happen? No. Um, and I see Akil Thomas mentioned like, yeah, like I, I think either of those could provide something a little bit different to that fourth line. I understand that doesn't necessarily make it an automatic fix, and it also doesn't mean that you all of a sudden start winning games. But, you know, again, when you're looking at the margins and you're looking at the depth, when things aren't going right, you're trying to squeeze as much as you can uh, out of every bit of the lineup. And, you know, you've got some pretty good wingers on that fourth line, frankly, that there's there's no center, though. Yeah, I think I think the loss of Lozat is just massive because you've lost a reliable center to to lean on. I mean, and especially since these, this kind of last stretch, where the only real good line that's been for the Kings has been the Dano line. Kopitar has been struggling. Obviously, PL's had his struggles. So when you only have one line going, and you have one line that's pretty much just you can you can't really go out there, you can't really rely on at all. Then you're stuck. You're just stuck with the to try to get the anything out of the other other three so at this point i mean i'm with some of the some of the guys in the chat here i mean at, like get trevor lewis back on the wing and bring up alex turcotte at this point because what are you going to lose that fourth line i said it last night it's a black hole you throw it out there and i'm just worried that the puck's going to end up in the king's net at this point because there's trevor lewis I'm, like joe said it a, a million times like it's it's baffling that this guy continues to get and i hate to be we hate to be uh, harsh on individuals, but it's just weird and baffling that he continues to be in the lineup every night. Like, what what are we missing here? This guy has, what, one even strength point in the last, like, 25 games? And I understand maybe he, he provides a little bit on the penalty kill, but this team is lacking scoring. This is The penalty kill is first in the league, and I don't think he's him coming out of the lineup or even being moved down a bit is going to hamper the penalty kill all that much. You need to find a way to bring that – balance back to the lineup because right now it's there's there's no balance there's none you just have one line that's probably going a night and the other other three kind of struggling so if you're looking for some consistency and a little bit more balance mix up things a little bit maybe move fiala off the deno line put laferrier there i don't know try some other things out because i just to kind of go back to what todd said 
he, he, where he talks about like he's he's tried everything he feels like he's poked he's prodded he's done everything in his power i don't think that's true i don't i don't really i don't really go with that statement i feel like there's still more that he can do as far as lineup changes it always feels like mcclellan has always been the kind of guy that's like i mean he said it himself earlier in the season he's gonna wait for the players to pull themselves out of it and at this point how how much longer are we gonna wait for the players to do that they haven't shown the capability that they're gonna have to be able to pull themselves out so you have to figure out a way to change up the lines mix things up send out a new I don't know, maybe even send out a new system, something else. Because for what you're running each night, it's not working. And if the Kings fans are going to see the same lineup going into tomorrow night, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of like, oh, here we go again. And I don't blame them because this is what we've seen for the last th- two, three, four weeks. I I would I want to say a little little positive thing. Byfield has been the most one of the most positive players in this in this loss. He- oh. Mm-hmm. He stepped up. He stepped up to the table as, as a center. Went back to playing on wing after they made that lineup change with PL. Uh, the first shift him back on wing, they score a goal there. So uh, stick taps to Byfield. But to echo what you're saying, Russ, yeah, I mean, let's let's just blender it up. Let's just put you, you let's put the centers down a row. Let's put all the wingers in a randomizer and let's just let that baby <laughs> throw Dude, them out I'm, there. I'm, I'm totally not at this point. I'm ready to try anything new. And I understand, like, that's a little, like, crazy talk. But, I mean, you can keep the pair, some of the pairs together. You can mm-hmm. keep Kempe and Kopitar together. You can keep Deneau and Moore together. Like, we've seen those duos work together. LaFerrier and PL, they seem to be having some chemistry together. But those other three wingers in Byfield, who, who just, like you mentioned, is playing lights out and should be the storyline of this season after all the talk about the bust word tied to him. But, unfortunately, this slide – Nobody's talking about the breakout season that Quentin Byfield's having, which is so weird because, I mean, it's it's crazy to, to think about. And I'm around Byfield a little bit more where, like, you have to pinch yourself and remind yourself, like, this guy's only 21 years old. On, on most nights, he's the youngest guy in the roster, and he acts like he's like a 10-year vet, which is incredible to see for a player uh, of his age and only, what, two, three seasons and full seasons into the NHL, which is awesome. But when you have players like Kevin Fiala, who's, I'll speculate and say Drew Doubt, that's the player Drew Doughty's talking about. When you have a player like Kevin Fiala, move Fiala down a peg. Why don't you move him down off of the line that you're relying on so much with Deneau and Moore? Why don't you bring him down to the third line? You've done it before, and it's worked. We saw it work last year with Grunstrom and Kupari. Let's have him go down with PL and Laferriere, give him less minutes, because I don't, for like for some reason they keep giving Fiala like 18, 20 minutes a night, and there's no reason you need to be playing him that much. He's a guy that can score on a per 60 basis probably – better than anybody else on the team. Give him 13, 14 minutes a night. Let him do his thing. Give him all the power play time because that's really where he's going to shine. And then and then five on five, you can have the more reliable players like like Deneau, more uh, Byfield. Play, give them more five on five minutes. You So at, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you, Randy. Let's blender it up a bit. Joe, we, you talked about keeping the, the wings the same and just throwing the, the centers in a blender. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing PL with Kempe and Byfield. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Deneau on the third line, Kopitar with Fiala and 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 more. Just listen. I mean, I know they seemed lost earlier, but it just seems weird that they're not doing the same thing. And eventually, I mean, McClellan said it in his press conference, if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's a definition of insanity. Well, I mean, look in the mirror, bud. Like, look in the mirror. Like, let's let's go. Like, Let's 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 fix this up because I truly believe he's a great coach. Like his X's and O's and how much he knows about hockey, how he views the game. I believe he's an excellent coach. And some coaches have 
problems pressing the right buttons. I yell at the screen again for Kyle Shanahan all the time because I know even this last week, if Green Bay makes that field goal, were or if they were up by three going in, he's playing for a tie. Like that's just how Kyle Shanahan is, and I'm yelling at the screen, right? So, like I, I just think for me, it's like. Man, he knows the X's and O's. He knows how to coach hockey. He sees things that I didn't even think about when he and he's talking to the press crunch. Very, very eloquent in the way he describes the game. But like it, it doesn't seem, and, and I've never met the guy, so this might be falling on deaf ears, but it doesn't seem like he's like the, the gunslinger type coach where he's afraid to make the move that might. And maybe he right now, Maybe right now he feels the fire. And he got asked that question about mm-hmm. coaching change. He said it was a valid question. Maybe he feels the fire and he's like, man, if I make this dumb move by putting Clark on the first line with, with Anderson and making all these things around, I'm throwing out these lines that don't make sense and they keep losing, then then it's my ass. Like I, I got to trust in my players that they're going to dig me out of this. I don't, I don't know, Joe. Like, Am I, am I just talking Chinese here or, or what's no. going on? No, I mean, I, I just, you know, there's been a lot of people that, that have said that he hasn't made changes. And I, I mean, I think he has made a lot of changes. There's only so many changes you can do with the lineup before it gets a little too chaotic. And even the players are like, okay, what are we doing here? We're playing with a different guy every five seconds. So I do think you got it. There's a balance there. Uh, I thought the move to PL the wing was a desperation move. Um, I, I Like I said before, I, I hated that decision. Uh, that felt desperate. And it didn't work. Quite clearly, it didn't work. Um, again, I agree that I think there's some – he hasn't pushed every button. You know, again, I, I think there is an opportunity to give somebody else a shot at fourth-line center. There is an opportunity to play Spence and Clark in the lineup together. However, I also acknowledge that that doesn't mean that that that, that isn't the fix that – this team all of a sudden starts to go on on a winning streak. Again, I think that helps on the margins. I still am a believer in that. I do think those are other buttons that he could choose to push. I just don't know the impact that I guess they would have when you're talking about a streak like this. I mean, even that, I don't know that it's something that necessarily addresses it uh, wholeheartedly. But I agree. I mean, I think McClellan is, I've said it before, I genuinely enjoy his, his media availabilities. He's a very thoughtful coach with how he gives his answers. He's obviously taking accountability for this. The most frustrating thing from what I can see is, as I've said before, this doesn't feel like system breakdowns. This feels like individual stuff. And that is very tough because I don't know how you get a really good grasp on that. I mean, again, Russ, like you said, you can watch video till the cows come home, but it's, you can't go out and play. You can't go out and not make the mistakes for the certain players. So he, I think he has jumbled the lines again. I wouldn't mind seeing another tweak here or there. I wouldn't mind seeing Byfield moved or Fiala back down with LaFerriere and Dubois. Maybe that's the move. Um, But I think there's another, a little tweak he can make, but I, again, it's, you don't want to be making him every game because um, he he said to expect to see Kaliev here on the road trip, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Kaliev next game. Um, where he goes, though, I don't know. Is he in for Grundstrom? Probably the fourth line like he always is. Yeah, because he's not going in for Lewis, right? Um, so that means he's going in for probably Anderson Dolan, who, I again, I don't think is playing that poorly, or going in for a Grundstrom. 
Well, then Jad maybe goes down to fourth line C. Lewis goes back to wing. And... I don't think they're going to do that. I think they've whenever they've had Anderson Dolan on they're the fourth line Lewis with Lewis, they center. keep Lewis at center. Um, uh, for some ungodly reason, they think he's an NHL center uh, right now. But that's, again, I think I vehemently disagree with that. I also can say in the next sentence that it's not as if if I do swap that out and make it Anderson Dolan or even Alex Turcotte, that instead of losing – 12 of 13 or 13 of 14 that the Kings are going to win eight of those games either. Like I acknowledge that it's just, you know, when you're talking about tweaks to make, it seems like an easy one. Like if if I'm McClellan, like you, we've reached the point of desperation. I mean, especially like if just put myself in McClellan's shoes, like your job is on the line at this point. Like if you lose these next couple of games before the all-star break, I would expect a change to be ha- to happen. I mean, you're talking about two wins in what, 17 games? <laughs> that, I've lost that, count. No, no coach go- could survive that, and, and, and it sucks because like uh, Tom McClellan is 100 percent not to blame for everything that's going on. But I, I would th- think he takes partial blame for it because sure. like there are some adjustments that I feel like he just hasn't made yet, and I, I think he needs to make. And like I agree with Joe, like the PL move to the wing was total desperation, and it reeked of desperation. I feel like it was it was absolutely the wrong move. You're trying to really help out one player, and just because he's played wing in the past, like let's say like okay, well maybe we'll put him with Kopitar. No, that's not that's not who he is as a player. He's he, Kopitar is that 200 foot player. And they were going to the same spot. And, and McClellan said it best. They were literally mirroring each other throughout the entire ice, and there was really no space. And it, it lasted, what, six periods? So <laughs> that move go back. And it, so, like, but there's other moves to make. That's the thing is there's other moves to make, and he's just not doing them. He's just relying on the players to continue to pull themselves out of it. And mistakes just keep happening. You have to figure out a way, like, pull, pull England out. Put Spence in there. Mix them with Gavrikov. Mix up, mix up uh, Anderson Dowdy. I don't care. Like, do do something to to kind of change things up a bit because you can't continue to have this slide or else. I mean, speaking for McClellan, your job's going to be on the line here. But him Real moving him Real- moving PL Dubois back was was a sign of a good coach. And there there was a there was sure. a millionaire and, and he said he said every, every every manager makes hiring mistakes. But what the mistake they commonly don't make is firing the person that they valued enough to hire, and so yeah, they they he thought that that line would might be able to get going with Peel up there. Yeah, it's probably desperation. But when he realized they were mirroring each other, he's like, okay, this is bad. I need to make a move before this yeah. gets worse. Jordan Spence has got to play. This is effing ridiculous. Like, I can't believe this kid is not playing in the line. He's been one of the best defensemen on the team this season. Like. Get hit. He he can't. I'm like, I for, oh, totally forgot about it for a second until you just mentioned it, Rush. And now I'm like having a convulsion. Having it. He's got to, over there. He has got to stay in the lineup. And, and I'll, you know, I'll give I'll out. give my boy Clark here uh, his his due. He played a good game last night. Uh, yep. Obviously, got his yep. first assist on on the season. Uh, quarterback in the power play. He looked good uh, right there. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's it's not for. It's not, hey, let's bring in Clark or let's bring in Spence for Clark. It's, it's let's keep both these guys. Playing both. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, I mean, both. It, it's so funny because, like, every time Clark made a play on his left side, I'm like, oh, oh, look at that. He can make a play on that. On this. And what's really surprising is that, like, he's 
been very good one-on-one defending much to my like I thought he maybe get hemmed in a little bit there's been times where he's kind of been overpowered but for the most part I thought he's been handling himself pretty well defensively so yeah you have to figure out a way to, sorry sorry Joe I cut you nope, off but yeah nope. you have to figure out a way to get Spencer and, and Clark in the lineup and there's been some think- shifts where Clark has dominated there's like flat out taking the puck and dominate a la Fiala and like if a team is struggling scoring like you need guys that can take over shifts and I think Clark has, has done well don't get me wrong but like if I had to pick a guy, if like McClellan is going to sit here and say, guys, Andreas Englund's playing every game, whether you like it or not, then then send Clark back. It's got to be Spence. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not a knock on Clark. As we all know, I think we all agree. I want to see them both in. But Jordan Spence has been too damn good to be sitting in the damn press box. It's ridiculous that, that that's happening. He has got There's the play. anger that all the fans are waiting for. Joe. Got to play. Miss <laughs> Mr. Uh, uh, politic answer most of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's, kind of, that's, that's kind of the reason we <laughs> talked about the beginning of the year. Like, you had your six defensemen. I mean, you – well, you had your seven defensemen when Bjornfoot was here, and you can even say eight with Morara on the lineup too. Mm-hmm. And this is why we talked about, like, just keep Clark in the AHL. You don't need to mess with anything because with the way Jordan Spence has been playing, there's absolutely – he like, for all the mistakes that everybody everything's been happening and, and uh, Fiala's been benched, PL's been moved around, Kaliev's been benched, I can't think of one play where Jordan Spence deserves to get benched. I can't think of one. I mean, he's made his he's made some mistakes, but like, there's no glaring incident or no real selfishness to his game. It's been a complete player that we've seen that's developing throughout the year, and he, he, all of his all of his metrics are great. Yeah, he's not scoring goals in the second power play unit, but he's still dominating a lot of five on five play mm-hmm. with his metrics. So, the the perhaps to have him come out of the lineup, and uh, we'll I'll say right now, I, I I just think I'm speculating totally. I just think there's a trade in the works. That's what I feel like. Because that's got to be the only logical explanation to pull Jordan Spence out of the lineup. Because everything points to him being one of the best defenders on the team. And are you referring, you think there's a trade of, in Europe, I know this is total speculation. but Yeah, we're just, well, before, before we get into that, let's get with our sponsor before we go down those. Ooh, nice little tease, uh, I like it. Right here. So we got our DraftKings code THPN. We all know hockey games move fast, but DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the NHL. You could score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So for the game tomorrow night against Colorado, DraftKings got the odds at at plus 1.5 for the Kings, minus uh, 1.5 in goal differential for the Avs. Over and under set at six. Uh, I, you know, I don't know the way we've been letting in goals lately. You might want to click the over on that one, but I'm not a betting master. So don't lose or win money based on what I'm saying there, but you should bet with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use codes THPN. New customers can bet five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook code THPN. The crown is yours. <coughs> so let's get into going forward here where the team is. Obviously, before we get into trades, I want to start with one player because he's been mentioned a couple times. Uh, was mentioned in from from Austin uh, on on Twitter by was it Drager brought it up, yeah. um, and then it was brought up in the uh, in the press conference when somebody hey you talking about Kaliev? McClellan's quotes were he needs to fit in, and it's not and he's not saying that Kaliev is a bad teammate or bad in the locker room. He just needs to fit what the Kings are trying to do, and and when he starts doing that, he'll get in the lineup. But then he also said that he's going to get in the lineup on this road trip. 
So, uh, you know, is is Todd fed up enough to where he he's putting in the guy that's in the doghouse to give him another chance? Where does that stack up? Uh, does Kaliev deserve to be, you know, asking for a trade or a better opportunity, whether it's with this team or another one? I mean, uh, it's getting to the point where I wouldn't blame him, really. I mean, you're kind of a young player, and it's kind of – I don't want to say it's similar to Jordan Spence because I haven't really paid too much attention. I don't really focus on Arthur Kaliev when he's in the lineup, but I felt like the few games that he was in before he got put back in his doghouse, I thought he was pretty noticeable for playing fourth line minutes. Like I thought it wasn't eye popping, but I didn't think he did any de- anything in terms of being uh, a detriment to the team or uh, losing games for the Kings. So I thought he was noticeable. I thought he was engaged. I thought he was active. So for them to continue to sit him, and keep him out of the lineup for a young player like that, it just, it's kind of strange, I have to say. So, I mean, I don't blame the player. I know Darren Drager had that report that he's kind of just looking for quote-unquote change within the organization, not looking for a change outside of the organization. So I don't blame him because at this point, he's a young player that's shown capability. He has a great shot, obviously. And if you're looking for some more goals, I know he's not really scoring at will, but I feel like he would have a little bit more of a scoring touch than I would say some other players that are currently getting lineup spots. I I, I don't, I'm not really all there with Kaliev. Um, I, I, I think at this point, clearly McClellan's not either. I would definitely hopefully see what value he's got as a trade chip. Still a very good young kind of prospect player. He's shown the ability to score. Um, but at least for the way McClellan wants to play, I, I think he's right. He does need to fit, and I, I haven't really seen the fit. Um, he's been at times lethal on the power play, on that second power play, uh, less so this season. Um, and he, he certainly seems like an odd man out. The The tricky part is uh, with trading Arthur Kaliev is uh, the, the Kings just don't have – like he's their one, he's their thirteenth forward right now. Okay, you trade him. Now you're dipping into the minors. Uh, you're you're going to have to depend if they need to go and, and acquire a for or, you know play a forward because of an injury or something. You're going to have to go bring up a Turcotte or a, or a, a, a Kiel Thomas or somebody. I mean, Fagimo's already in the lineup, so you know maybe there's at least a little bit of a safety net with Kaliev knowing that he um, you know has got NHL games under under his belt. Absolutely. Shank master 82 people watching. I don't know how many likes there are, but I bet it's not 82. So everybody hit the like button, please. I, I'm going to disagree, disagree with you, Joe. And here, and ahead, here's what, and here's why we, we talked about throwing things in a blender. This is a perfect opportunity to throw things in a blender, give a guy who wants more responsibility, a chance to prove himself. And, and I was not on the train of putting him on the second line. I'd put him on the second line, give him the minutes. Let him earn him. Let him earn. Let, give him the minutes. Say, hey, this is your this is your chance to earn it because we're right before the trade deadline. If, if he flashes and, and pulls a line and, and starts playing really well, and you get some scoring off that line, then great. If not, he's flashing minutes and maybe he scores some goals and he doesn't fit our team and we trade him away. But I think he needs to play. I think he needs to play more than Trevor Lewis needs to play, and we all know that's that's not going to when he's not going to sit. Trevor Lewis isn't going to sit, mm-hmm. but him playing on the forward line is not playing. Him playing on the third line with PL, maybe, you know, PL and Laugh, you know, that might be something to, to look at, or more and more Deneau and 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 uh and Kaliev uh was successful for a little bit last season. 
And so having two guys that are defensively sound, you know, pull along a scorer there that, you know, that could be something that we throw in the blender, but I think he needs to play. And I, and I don't think he's a 200 foot forward and then maybe that's what he wants, but they've also brought in guys and drafted other guys that aren't 200 foot players. I'll off y'all. So at, at some point, the system of the one, three, one, everybody has to be willing to play the system, but you also need superstars to score goals and we're not scoring. I think he needs to be, I would put him on the power play one and put Kempe on power play two. Let's just mix mix some things up there. Like I would give him all the opportunity on this road trip to just to answer the bell. And maybe he does. And it, it's a spark that they need. And you get a good line that's scoring goals. But to put him on the fourth line and say, hey, here's your opportunity. I, no, I, don't, I don't think that's fair. With no center. It's one thing to put him in the fourth line with Blake Lazard. Sorry, Russ. It's one thing to put him with Blake Lazard. Yeah. But like Lewis is just not a creative chance so you've got he's got two shooters on his wings right now you got one of the best ahl goal scorers in samuel fagimo and carl grunstam leads the la kings or uh, at least recently in shot attempts per 60 so you have two guys that are shooting and nobody can get him the puck yeah i will say i mean arthur Kelly, he's a 13th forward right now but in what after the all-star break you'll probably be like the 14th or 15th forward once arvidson and, and lasada sure. back so you have That's to true. figure out a way to get some value out of him right now true but I mean, I agree with Brandon. Like, if you're kind, if we're we're searching for balance here, and I'm sure McClellan's kind of doing the same. Like, why don't you put Arthur Kaliev back with Denoa Moore? <laughs> That's when he's played the best hockey of his career. We always talk about Phil Denoa being the type of center who's going to elevate his line mates. Okay, let's play him with a winger that probably needs that elevation in Arthur Kaliev. We've kind of seen what it's when he's done with Moore. Maybe Moore's done it a little bit more himself. But I feel like if you're looking for a guy, a, a goal-scoring winger like Arthur Kaliev has the potential to be to get his game going a little bit, let's put him with the no. We've seen Kevin Fiala be able to elevate. I think he can elevate a line himself playing on a wing. So let's get him back with P.L. Dubois, and let's get him with a Ferrier on the other side too. I feel like if, you, if you're looking for balance, I feel like that would be the best lineup to, to run out there. And then you can move Jared Anderson Dolan down to the fourth line. You can have – him once, and then once Lazak comes back, you can have that fourth line going again. But I feel like for the, these next couple of games, I would just love to see Cali with the no. That's that's got to be the best match for him because I, I don't see him being a fourth line winger again. I just I just think he's just inconsistent. Inco there's too much inconsistency there. Him with Deno, him with Dubois and Lafer, it didn't really work. So put him with Deno for these next couple of games. See what you get out of it, and then hey, maybe come trade deadline. You don't really see a case for uh, Cali to stick with the organization in the next few years. See what you can get for him. I, I, I'm sure there are a lot of teams. I mean, when when Dreger came came out with that report, there were fan bases out there like, oh yeah, we'll we'll trade you whatever for Arthur Cali. That's we'd love to have him on our team. So mm -hmm. I, there's got to be organizations that would love to give you a, a third, fourth, fifth round pick for him, or even maybe maybe you package him for a better uh, NHL player coming back the other way. Leave saying right here, Kaliev is going to go somewhere, be a 30-goal scorer, a 50-60 point guy because the <laughs> Kings are going to look stupid for trading a third for him. And it seems like the Kings trade away a lot of guys. I mean, he'll probably go to Vegas because uh, they're the Vegas Golden <laughs> probably, Kings right, right now uh, with, the, the way they, with the way they are shaping up their team. I I, I just think it needs that's – that's a good shakeup. And I think Fiala going back down to the third line with PL might mm -hmm. bear greater fruit than it did earlier in the season. And, and, I, and here's why. I think that the comp we have talked about pairs in the way that that the pairs really carry lines. And right now it seems like PL and Laugh, Joe, as you've mentioned, have a great foundation now. 
where maybe in the beginning season they were figuring out how to play with each other and it spiked in the preseason. We all thought it was going to be this excellent line and then it tanked and now it's kind of leveled out. Now you could probably introduce a creative player like Fiala to that line now that you got the foundation in in PL and in left. That's well said. I think I think you're 100 percent right. I would be on board with that. Yeah. Would you look at want... that? The coach ran to McMahon getting one right. <laughs> and I don't I don't want to see Laferrier come out of the lineup. I know I've been, always been high on, on Laferrier. He's been one of the probably the more reliable. Don't even don't even team. go there. Don't even go what? there. If he comes out of this lineup, I'm done. And then there's, so there's this notion out there that they, they have to send him down once they activate Arbison. That's not true. They can actually right. keep Arbison or keep LaFerre in the lineup once Arbitson comes back. There's a there's cap hit uh, that will happen. I think that you have to kind of take into uh, account his the prorated cap hit. So you have to figure out a way to keep LaFerre in the lineup. This is a player that he's come in. We forget this is a rookie playing his first pro season, and he's been in the, in the lineup pretty, pretty much every game except, I think, one healthy scratch. He's he's not really producing, but I don't feel like he's getting the minutes. He's But he's definitely getting the chances – and I feel like he's playing reliable two-way hockey too. So you got to figure out a way to keep him in the lap. The sky's the limit with this kid. And I feel like if you just send him back down, you're only kind of hurting not only him, but you're hurting the team too. I don't even want to go there, to be honest with you, because that's going to drive me nuts. Uh, that will drive me nuts uh, to see. You already certain... got Spence, right? You, you don't want to... Uh-huh. It's bad enough with Spence if, if they – send Laferriere down to keep a certain veteran right winger on the fourth line. <laughs> Next topic, Brandon. <laughs> so let's, let's get into trade rumors. We, we teased that earlier. Um, you know, uh, Kings fans are probably sick of it, but Spinny Chicklets brought up the, the Chikrin wants a new home. Um, we're know, back. Joe, and, and Let's go. It's this time of the season, so we got another hour and a half on the possibility of Jacob Chikrin. So buckle up and hit that like button. No, but seriously, uh, he's looking for a new home. Uh, you know, and you know, the Kings uh, don't necessarily need a left shot, but I mean, they got a two. They, they Joe's looking at me like uh, Brandon. Uh, I disagree with you there, buddy. Uh, but what I would say is, you know, we've we've seen. They don't need a left shot. I think that they have a solid left core, especially if they played Mervar more. But England is not it, right? And so maybe you get two years of Chikrin at, at the discounted price. It seems like Kopitar and Dowdy had that two-year window. Maybe you kind of just push all your chips in there and make it work, right? And so whether that moves it up to him up to first line left playing with Dowdy, you move Mikey Anderson down and then Gavrikov down to the third. Gavrikov played well with Spence and played well with, with Clark. So I, I know that a lot of people say he's made a glass and he's not a winner and all this kind of stuff like that. But at $4 million, it might be worth the the, the chip pushing. Um, Has he been hurt this year? I feel like Chicken yeah. played every game. Oh, yeah. I thought he got hurt for a little bit. But I think he did. I think, I think briefly early in the year. He's been very good, oh, though, yeah. in Ottawa, by the way. No, but they would have to they have to make the $4 million work. So – yeah, correct. It, it, so yeah. where where are we talking about? I mean, Kaliev's making next to nothing. England is making one point five. Crunch from you'd have to pack up three forwards and some picks to make this thing work. Well, or, thing you, you, or you, you have to or you send out Roy, the UFA, and you bring in Chickering and play both Spence and, and Clark on the right side. I mean, so this is this is kind of what I've been speculating a bit. Um, I feel like Matt Roy resigns with this team. And this is like 
this is why I, like the my only speculation is because I, it, it makes no sense for them to continue to take Jordan Smith out of the lineup. But they always talk about how they want to develop to both of these young defensemen. And it, it, it makes no sense for that reasoning when you're just swapping out, swapping them in and out of the lineup when you can just develop Brant Clark in the AHL. I mean, you're just fine there when Jordan Spence has been fine. So that's why I think Roy resigns. You you have your three right shot defensemen next season in Gowdy, Roy, and Clark. And whether they want to shop Jordan Spence and maybe package him in a deal for a left shot defenseman or maybe even a winger, that's where I I feel like that comes into play. So I know it might be a little pricey in terms of trying to squeeze uh, Matt Roy into the salary cap next year, but what he just he just had a baby. He's probably he's probably going to want to take maybe a little bit of a hometown discount. He's been with the team for a, a quite a while, obviously ever since they drafted him as seventh round draft pick. So I mean, he's a great player in the team, and he's really well liked in the locker room. So I don't know. I I think that the organization really likes him. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Roy stays the with the, the team and re-signs in the, over the offseason, they end up looking at maybe bringing in another left-shot defenseman on the on the other side. I know Joe's thinking about whether he would like to have Chikrin or Spence more in the head back there. But, I, I, I mean, you couldn't ask for any more offense. If So if they bring in Chikrin and get rid of Roy, and you have, you have Dowdy, Spence, Clark, Chikrin, Mikey Anderson, Gavrikov, both Mikey Anderson and Gavrikov, have shown and the ability and want to to get in on the play. You're talking about all guns pointed in the same direction, which is north south uh, on, on that offense. It might lead to more odd chances going the other way, and with the way the goaltend's been playing, that might not be better for the Kings. But it, we talked about blendering it. That that might be a blender that would uh, be worthwhile. First of all, that's an that's a decor right there. Brandon. Um, but I will say, I also want to, you know, I, I don't like this notion that just because a certain player is more offensive or he's productive, that that makes him bad at defending. I think that's pretty unfair. And people that don't really, I, I, Jacob Chickren is a, we talked about this last year, he's a really good defensive defenseman too. He's, he's good at that. And I think he would fit perfectly in the system, but Regardless, I think trading Jordan Spence is a big mistake. I was on board with the Brock Faber deal for obvious reasons. You're getting a player like the caliber of Kevin Fiala. I, I think that was a, a really good hockey trade. I I kind of wouldn't mind have kept Dersey around, but I understood it. Um, I get it uh, because I was a Dersey fan. I think I was one of the few, but okay, I understand the trade. Having a good season in Arizona, by the way. Very good season in Arizona. Obviously, I understand Sean Walker being an odd man out, um, having a very good season in Philadelphia. I I don't disagree, Russ, that I can totally see Roy resigning. On the flip side, man, this he he almost thirty. He could he's 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 going to be pushing thirty, and he could he could still cash in. Like I think he yeah. could get a if he can get a healthy contract from somebody. What worries me about a player like him is the term, and I just don't know what the Kings would be. I don't know what the two sides are looking for there. So because I I really like Matt Roy. I love Matt Roy. I think he's been a, a huge defenseman. So it's not like it's not that I want him to walk, but boy, to to lose Jordan Spencer to trade him away would be. I think that's a pretty big mistake. Um, 
That said, obviously, if you're going to acquire Jacob Chikrin, you got to consider that you're going to have to give to get. But I don't know. I mean, he 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 didn't net the the caliber of a Jordan Spence. I mean, he had a first round pick in two seconds last year. There wasn't a prospect in that deal. Um, so I, I I don't know if I for Roy Roy would be for cap, and then Ottawa could flip Roy somewhere else. But I'm also not suggesting this. that they trade Roy, frankly. But My, if you're not trading Roy and you're not trading Spence, then we're 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 going to be in, in inception next year talking about the same thing. Like, where is Brent Clark going to play? Mm-hmm. And he needs to play. Byfield doesn't blossom if he's not thrusted into the first line. No, no, and no, I fully, no. And I fully believe that he needs Clark needs to play. And well, you have whether, two spots for Clark and Spence next year if once if Roy doesn't resign. Yeah, so I'm have, not worried yeah. about Roy. I'm not worried about Roy. I I don't trade Roy, but I'm not if they don't come to an agreement to re-sign him, I let him walk. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at. So there is a spot for, for Clark, in, in my opinion. Now, the, the kicker in all of this is how the hell do you get Chikrit if you're not going to trade these? And that's what makes it difficult, obviously. So, listen, I'm not exactly expecting a Chikrit trade. I'm just fired up that his being linked to the Kings again is back because I know that drove so many people nuts, but I loved it, frankly, because he's a great player, but also because it's a fun conversation. Trade, so, hey, trade deadline season's probably the most fun. It's like, of Christmas, course, right? it is. like, like free agency, and we get trade deadline. Get stuff. over themselves, have a little fun. It's fantasy Jeez. hockey. Like, this is where we get, like, we're going through this entire rut. Let's talk some trades, have a little, yeah. conversation. like, another player that let's, let's even have some more fun. I mean, if we're really talking about trading Jordan Spence. And you're looking to bring in a, a young left shot defenseman who's maybe kind of on the outs of his organization. I'm giving a call to Joe Sackick. Uh, if I'm right, Rob Blake, I'm calling his buddy Joe Sackick and seeing what Bowen Byram's availability is. Yeah. You got Bowen Byram on the left side who's kind of, I mean, I think uh, the as GM was just at a Kings game the other day. So I don't know what's going on there. But I mean, Bowen Byram, who seems to be on the outs a little bit. I know he's been hurt, but he never really has had has had the playing time. And I feel like he's the player that Devin Taves was actually calling out that one time. So, I mean, if you're looking for a young young uh, defenseman kind of swap there, that's a player I'd be kind of I'd, I'd have my eye on. And and, and on spitting Chicklers, they mentioned that he's uh, there's a lot of rumors that he wants more minutes because he wants to be able to earn a bigger contract. Yeah, and so and if. if but it's going to be tough. Like, with Sam, right Gerard and, Sam Gerard and Devon Taves, it's going to be tough for Bone Byram to get that many more minutes. So, yeah, that's – that's. Do you, hey. Could he, in your opinion, and you guys watch him a lot more hockey outside the Kings, could he play first-line minutes with Dowdy? Oh, I mean, I don't know if he played first-line minutes, but I'm going to tell you, I went to a rookie face-off a couple years ago in Arizona, and the Kings – this was when the Kings were stacked with talent. It was Turcotte, Kaliev, Byfield. Uh, Spence was on this team. I believe even Jersey was on that team. Stacked, and they were going against the Cal- they were going up against the Colorado Avalanche. And the Avalanche had nobody. There, this was when the Avalanche, right? I think right in the middle of their cup run, right before they won the cup. And the only player that they had was Bowen Byerman. That was the one player I wanted to watch. This guy took over yeah. the entire game for the Avalanche. He can yeah. take well, over a game. And I'm not saying a, that he can. He's the player I wanted. He's the player I wanted. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. If yeah. they didn't take him number four, I, that was a yep. I actually almost threw my phone when they took him at four. I was like, look, <laughs> it was the player I wanted. But, man, I'm, this is the player that he probably deserves. I don't blame him for not wanting – for for being a little, like, frustrated for his ice time because he could definitely take over games if he's given the minutes. He, I mean, he doesn't make that much less than Chikrin, so you're still talking about a cap situation. Um, I think he mm-hmm. makes just under four. 
Um, 3.1, I think, last time I checked. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe. I'll, I'll pull it up while you guys are talking. But but either way, we have to be very, very clear here that with any of these deals, okay, you have to consider, A, what are you giving up, and B, you have to consider the cap. I mean, listen, I want to throw on Jacob Chikrin as much as the next guy. You want to throw on Byron Byram as much as the next guy. Love it. But when you consider Blake Lazar coming back into the lineup, Victor Arvidsson projected to come back into the lineup, that cap is only getting tighter. So how are you making the money work? So, Russ – what Two are years, seven point seven, so three point eight five is what he's making. okay. Okay, just under four. I was wrong. So, how can the Kings do that without trading Roy? Yeah, and that that would be the tough part. So I'm not the cap guru, but I mean, if you're looking at maybe trading away or trying to put like a Carl Grunstrom on waivers, who's making one point three, maybe put Andreas England part of the deal, who's making one. Uh, I've I don't know Rob Blake's like we've seen organizations make the cap work and I know we're kind of talking yep. fantasy hockey here, but and then, and the whole my whole crux of this argument goes to their for some reason their inability to want to play one of Clark or Spence on the left side and yep. it just that that's why like they I have to speculate that there's got to be something else going on here for you to want to decide to develop Clark and Spence at the same time and take one of them out of the lineup at each, because it really like bringing up Brent Clark. Yeah. It was cool and all. It was great storyline. It made no sense really at the no, time. No, to be it honest didn't. With you. no. Like you're trying to win hockey games and you decide to maybe take out one of your more steady young defensemen out of the lineup and Jordan Spence to develop Brent Clark. Like what are we doing here? It, it, that, that it, That's really well, why, it, why made, it made sense, but the execution was. But it's it made sense to me, but the execution wasn't what we thought it was. But they we knew they weren't going to do that. They knew they weren't going to do that. So well, it made me, sense. They, they the, mentioned they mentioned it in the call up that yeah we might see some another right going on the left even though we didn't. I mean, and that might have been good speaking so far. That's mm-hmm. it has been good mm-hmm. speaking. I, I think. Go ahead. The, the the it was warranted based on the merits and that he deserved a call up. However, when you look at where the Kings were as a defensive group up to that point, nobody was hurt. There was no need to call them up and replace them. They had their seventh D when Bjornfoot, who had been the seventh D all season. It was really weird to me, really, really strange to me. Because in my mind, if you're calling him up, you're looking to shake things up on the back end, maybe provide a little bit of a spark. So to me, it's like, okay, maybe they are going to try to, get him in a little bit, rotate him in with England, see how he adapts to the left side. Because that's the only thing that made any sense. I don't understand the idea of Spence. Now, that's where I can see where you're going, Russ, and maybe they wanted to get Clark a little bit of NHL time just to see if he could handle it, so then that opens up the door for them to trade Spence. I I guess I could see that. I think that's – I don't like it at all. But I get it. So you you may be onto something there. Um, Owen brings up here we lost Bjornfoot <clears throat> for no reason just to call up Clark where he's been sitting every other game. Correct. It seems it just seems like asset asset mismanagement is what it seems like. Well, to be honest, with you like the loss of Bjornfoot. I know he wasn't playing well, but he's still a first round pick. Uh, he's, he's still terrible. a guy. I'm not that, worried about that. I was. He's terrible. No, he's not good. He played. He played the first game with the Vegas. He played 18 minutes in the second game. I think he played like six. And now he's hurt. 
my concern like Marvin Rar is a better player than him. Yeah, He's my good. issue with losing Bjornfoot was like, like there was the talk of well, they needed Clark to be a seventh defenseman to carry on the road trip because they waived Bjornfoot. Why didn't you just keep Bjornfoot? If you needed a seventh defenseman, he was right there. You had him. Just keep him. So I'm I'm more and more going along with Russ's thinking here that there could be something more to this, um, and maybe not. But it, it was bizarre. It's to me. the only logical explanation, so, Joe. That's the only reason I'm talking about it. Because so let's put some let's put so some more tinfoil hat on here. Yeah. Okay. I like let's, it. Let's go more tinfoil. We should have tinfoil hats, hats to actually put on during yeah. like a segment. We need, Future, yeah, reference. We'll, future reference. We'll, we'll take it. We'll so take it the, the Kings have been uh, one. They got called out a little bit uh, by uh, on Twitter. We'll leave that alone. But they're not very forthright with uh, how long players are out or what the injuries are. I mean, we still don't know how long Bjornfoot's day to day, week to week, month to month. He he could have his leg decapitated by now. And we still don't. We, we still don't know. So uh, Arvidsson? Uh, no, uh, Lazat. Lazat. Oh, okay. Lazat. Uh, you know, Arvidsson skating in red. What does that really mean? All this kind of stuff like that. So we keep talking about left shot D, left shot D. Obviously, we're not okay with how the centers have been playing. Is there? Would a center make sense? Would a just like a solid two way guy that that plays uh, that plays fourth line center for us that can actually drive some play make sense? Obviously, that guy's not going to cost as much as a Chickering or uh, a Byram in not only acquisition costs but salary like is that where maybe we should go like a, a center wing hybrid that you can use for these injuries because a back injury seems like a, a type of injury that could be re-aggravated Lazat's been injured multiple times this season like is that a situation that the kings need to entertain i wouldn't say center but i could definitely see like a middle six forward i mean if you're really thinking about possibly or i guess they, they just have no real uh, they don't want to play Kaliev at all. I mean, you're looking for scoring. <laughs> Maybe bring in another middle six forward. I know Victor Arvidsson obviously will help out with a little bit of those scoring woes. But, I mean, I am I think right now it seems like we're just kind of trending to what the Kings were last year, right, where the bottom six is just kind of trying to figure it out at this point. And I, I know Lazat's going to help out with a little bit of that, but as bad as, bad as PL's been playing, he's not Kupari. Yeah, like it's like, a better, no, yeah, it's it true. Is a better situation in the bottom six. For it is it, assuming Lazat, you know. Comes well, and, and PL has to be better though too. Like he has he to does. be a better player at this point. He does. I wonder. Uh, I, I wonder what his second half split for eighty-two games versus, like, because well, he's been playing year, better. This, this this was so weird is like people are like all surprised that the Jets are like first place in the Western Conference. I'm like they were first place I in am. the Western Conference at this point last year. I understand like you you lost Pierre Dubois who was playing really at the first half of last year. He was their best player. Yeah, everybody talked about how he was pretty much leading that team. And then I think he got hurt uh, right around the All Star break last year, and then he kind of fell off. But then in the playoff series, he was great going up against Vegas. A lot of reports saying he was their best player too. So I'm a little surprised that people are, are really shocked by how well uh, Winnipeg is doing. I think maybe Rick Bonus is just doing a really good job with that team. But it, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. But, yeah, it's just that, that kind of caught me off guard a bit. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were a playoff team. I don't know that I – I know I didn't pick them to win the division. Um, and we'll see where it all ends up. But I, I think I picked them to finish third in the division. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're a fine team. They're a solid team um, with a great goalie. You know, that, that's a, that's a good team. Um, so, I, so, I mean, you think that it's a trade, uh, you don't think it's going to center in, but it's like all, all the statements have been, if we get Lazat back, yeah, if we get Victor Arvison back. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I, I think a center, I, I, I think of what they want Trevor Lewis to be is a type of player that they could acquire. But right now they want him to play center and wing, depending on Lazat's there. Like, to me, like that's the type of player that you could acquire. I and mean, we and we all think that I think that they have that in Turcotte. I would love to see Turcotte play mm-hmm. on the fourth line for the rest of the season because one, I think he's deserved it with his play in the AHL. And two, like a young kid trying to prove it. Like you, you don't think Turcotte's hungry to prove to everybody that he's not a bust and like in come up there, like that type of attitude. Like I, I think that that could be a huge jolt to the locker room. But if if we're st- if we're steering away from call-ups. And, and acquiring, do you think that benefits the Kings acquiring a forward, or would you uh, want them to go out and acquire scoring? Like, say Victor Arvidsson never makes it back. Like, do you do they go out and get a guy that can play middle six? Like, where do, was your view on that, Joe? I, I mean, I for a while I've I've been I was under the assumption that he he being um, <clears throat> Arvidsson was just not going to return. Um, mm-hmm. And I, part of me is still, I'll believe it when I see it, but, um, <laughs> there he's are, moving so around really it, well, I have to say, like when I'm watching, he's, he's moving really well. If, if he is, is going to come back then I'm a little less concerned about the handedness, if he wasn't going to come back, then I, I still think the Kings could really use somebody that's right-handed that has the ability to be a little bit of a playmaker on the power play, um, and names that come to mind that are free agents. I don't know what Seattle is going to do with Jordan Eberle. I don't know. I am not a believer in Detroit. Um, I think David Perron is somebody that that could be an intriguing option. Otherwise, if if he is going to come back and they still want to go the the winger route because they're not prepared to give Laferriere full go, um, like a Sean Monahan, cheap, going to be a free agent next year, and he's had just an injury riddled career these last few years, but he's finally healthy right now in Montreal. He's He's playing some pretty good hockey right now. So, you know, you wonder if he's somebody that could that could fit in nicely next to a Dubois or something like that. So I, I don't hate the idea, Randon. I don't think it needs to be a center because, I'll, again, I'm assuming Lazat's going to be okay. But um, I see what you're, where you're going with that. And I'm not opposed to um, – to, to a forward depending on the cost i see in the comments arby says they want first for monahan i'm not paying a first for sean monahan so if that's what it is then i'm out um but carson carson wants the hot dog magician in in uh phil kessel i appreciate it carson but no i'm so far away from that i'm so, I'm so far away from phil kessel no. I, and just to kind of clear the air like i don't want the kings to what about tyler to they shouldn't trade any first round pick this this season, they need to well, figure out. Do they out even have one? I don't think they, they have. have the first, yeah, they have the first. Oh, they do. Okay. okay. Yeah, um, they traded the second round pick that they got from the Jersey trade, which is Montreal's Definitely. second round pick, which will pretty much be a first round pick. I'm glad you brought that up, Russ, because I think they should keep it too. And yeah. we watched. We watched in the last regime. They kept trading away all these picks, and then there was no cabinet. And like the way you create a longevity of a team is by keep injecting. So they got rid of one of our top defensemen in Brock Faber, brought in Fiala. You got rid of another guy in Jersey who was a second-round pick. 
you have so far no fruit from the Turcotte tree. You have exceptional fruit from Byfield and Clark. But where, like, where is the next big guy coming up through? Right, so far Jack Hughes not looking so good for a second rounder. Uh, Fagimo, Kiel Thomas, Kaliev haven't really blossomed as a second rounder yet. I don't think any of those guys have been given chances. So is there a, is there a, like, I think they do need to keep stock and pile and a first round pick would be a way to do that to kind of see a guy in two or three seasons when Kopitar's out, maybe he's ready to go and, and you kind of get that influx. I think I, I probably agree given where they are. Like if this was a team that was in first place in the division, it's like, you know what? Yeah. And they were, they just kept rolling along like they were earlier. I'm okay trading that first rounder because you might be fancy yourself a cup contender if that's the yeah, case. Yeah. They're clearly not right now. So if I'm the GM, it's like, eh. at least barring a drastic turnaround here in the next month, you know, I, I, it would have to be a player if they're trading a first with term, like a player that they're going to have for not just the stretch, but for somebody with another year, uh, at least after this. Um, yeah, then, yeah, then, yeah. then I'm maybe a little bit more open to the idea, you know, a Bowen Byram, for example, you know, Russ, I'm a little bit more open to that type of idea. Um, but yeah, in general, I think I agree. Given where the team is in the standings, you're not in a position that you're like one piece away from, you know, making that cup run type of thing. And, you know, the one thing we haven't touched on at all today, I don't think is the goaltending, um, yeah. you know, whether that's, whether they look to acquire something uh, at the deadline or they just kick that can to the off season, that, that still remains to be seen too. Um, but we're seeing some chinks in the armor there a little bit, uh, which was to be expected. Talbot wasn't going to play at a 930 save percentage all season. So this is, it's going to happen. Hopefully he just levels out a little bit. Um, but that's Did obviously. Portillo be the savior of the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> I know Cal no, Garcia would like good. to say yes. He's been playing excellent. No. Yeah, I mean, I think for, for me, I think you just kind of ride the goaltenders throughout the entire year. Yeah. You just, this is the bed you made, sleep in it. I mean, yep. you got Cam Talbot. We've seen when the team plays well in front of him, he, we've seen him be a good goalie. And I think mm -hmm. a little bit of the inconsistent starts for Talbot maybe has hurt him, which is totally fine. Like, I, I understand it's probably cost the Kings a, a game, but I, you have to figure out a way to keep him rested. And I just have to say, like, I mean, where would the Kings be if David Riddick had got claimed on waivers? Like, we would, be, they would be totally lost, right? I mean, you'd be talking about Eric Portillo probably getting starts or or Aaron Dell, who they picked up on in Ontario. So, stay the course with the goalies. Just have to ride it out. Hopefully, hopefully Talbot kind of picks it up a bit. The All-Star break, I feel like, could be good for him, even though he's going to the All-Star <laughs> game. But even then... I think I think of the deep, the players in front of him are playing a little bit better, but I, I just want to go back to the the player you mentioned. Just back to the Tim Foyle segment, man. I mean, if you can get a third line of uh, Arvidsson, Dubois, and Perron, oh my, I would I would love to watch that on ice because I feel like David Perron would pretty much kind of drag Dubois into a little bit of scrums, get him involved in all those skirmishes a little bit, those after the whistle stuff. And, and get him a little bit more engaged in play. And it certainly seems like Perron, we've, I mean, Kings fans, they, we know him. I mean, he's definitely a heart and soul he guy. He beats us a lot. Yeah, he's definitely a heart and soul guy that's definitely willing to muck it up a bit and get those garbage goals. And that certainly seems like something the Kings are lacking. And you can you can move LaFerrier down to the fourth line. You can have LaFerrier mm -hmm. with Lazat and Lewis. The triple L's, that sounds pretty good to me. 
I four think, seven I think, five. He, he makes uh, David Perron. Yeah, that'll be that's going to be a tough one. Fit. Yeah, the contracts. Yeah, yeah, contracts are going to be tough. Well, we got a lot of we got a whole month ahead of us with the tinfoil hat segments. Maybe we might ha- we might do this every week if uh, if the Kings get a little bit more dreary on where they should go at the trade deadline. I appreciate you guys, man. Eighty five strong in this chat. Give yourselves a hand. All episode. Appreciate you guys coming in there. Please follow us at hockeyroyalty.com for all these articles that are coming out. Follow us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at hockey underscore royalty at JW Paterino at uh, with NHL Russell at Rando Commando 24. Any rain coverage, follow Kyle Garcia at <laughs> Kopitar for HOF. Man, we appreciate you guys. We're working on more t-shirt designs. Obviously, we're going to have double XL this next time, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, appreciate you guys, all your support. We're going to be pumping out episodes every week. Hopefully, we can talk about more uh, uh, bright things, bright futures for um, uh, for the Kings. Ar- you know, RB, yes. Thank you, Russ, for doing all these post games. You, the, the fans really love oh, man, all the, the awesome, Twitter spaces. Man. If you guys miss the Twitter spaces, we try to post them on our podcast so you can kind of, kind of check in and, and see all the disdain or, or emotion that comes from these Kings fans of late. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, ooh, a little mini shout out. Slavoski, the draft pick, 15 and 1 oh, so Kings, with a 167 yeah. goals against average, uh, getting better day by day. So uh, we'll see uh, when he blossoms uh, for the rain soon. Uh, you're welcome, Kings Rule. And as always on this podcast, go, Kings, go. <laughs>